Rex Sherman is a demon that walks among us, a predator that ruined families. The Lisk Long Island Serial Killer podcast was shocked when the news broke of Rex Hewerman's arrest. After more than a decade of searching, law enforcement officials had finally pieced together enough evidence to bring formal charges against Rex Hewerman. Initially charged with three murders, Hewerman is now officially charged with all four deaths in the Gilgo 4 case. I'm your host, Chris Moss, and the Lisk podcast will be releasing new episodes with interviews and fresh insight on the case as Rex Hewerman awaits trial in Long Island. While we are relieved by the arrest, the List podcast team will be working hard to share new developments and perspectives as we get them. So please keep your eyes and ears out for new episodes, and if you haven't already, please listen to seasons one and two of Lisk, Long Island Serial Killer, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right, daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short-form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. Scary mysteries, twisted news. Lester Eubanks and Texas Killing Fields. Terrifying unsolved mysteries and chilling locations. Every week, twisted news dives into two unique yet equally shocking cases developing in our world today. For this week, we'll explore the latest update on one of the FBI's most wanted fugitives and the ghastly murders that have occurred in the infamous Texas killing fields. Get ready for Scary Mysteries Twisted News. Number 1. Lester Eubanks In October 2020, Netflix announced the release of the much-awaited Volume 2 of its wildly popular mystery documentary series, Unsolved Mysteries. Beyond its entertainment value, that show has in fact brought a lot of unforeseen tips in that have actually helped law enforcement in solving several unsolved crimes. Terry Muir, creator and executive producer of the rebooted show, told the press that Volume 2's episode titled Death Row Fugitive has reeled in hundreds of calls and emails from viewers in the days and weeks following the series' release. This episode in particular tells of a man who brutally murdered a young girl back in 1965, was imprisoned for the crime, but broke out and has been on the run now for almost 50 years. This tragic story began on Sunday, November 14, 1965, in Mansfield, Ohio. It was laundry day for Mary Deaner and her sister, Brenda Sue, who were tasked to clean the family's clothes. Everything would have gone smoothly if not for the broken dryer in the home. The two girls were told by their mother, Cassie, to bring the wet clothes to a nearby laundromat on Spring Mill Street. Back then, Mansfield was a safe place, a community where everyone pretty much knows one another. 
And if that wasn't reassuring enough, the girl's grandmother, Love Williams, happened to live in the house next door to the laundromat, and so there was no cause for concern in sending the girls to take care of the chores that day. Once there, Mary realized they had run out of change, and so she told her sister to stick around while she went to the next laundromat just a few minutes away. Brenda did as she was told, but she soon realized that her older sister was taking too long to return. She went next door to her grandmother's. As Mrs. Williams went to find her granddaughter, she was shocked to instead see blaring police lights, a crowd of people, and a grisly crime scene. At the center of the commotion was Mary, lying in her own pool of blood. The girl had been shot twice in the stomach and her skull smashed in with a brick. While Mary was outside that day, so was a man named Lester Eubanks. At the time, he was out on bond on an attempted rape charge. Court records showed that he grabbed 14-year-old Mary and dragged her behind a residential building where he attempted to rape her. She fought back, and when he couldn't have his way with her, he instead shot her twice when she wouldn't stop screaming. Then, as if nothing happened, Eubanks went to his nearby home to get dressed for a dance that was happening in town that evening. On his way to the event, the killer passed by the spot where he had left the young girl. She was still alive and in tremendous agony, fighting to survive. It was at that point he picked up a brick laying nearby and struck down on Mary's head so many times that her skull basically caved in. He then got up and went dancing. What tied Eubanks to the crime was the caliber of bullet he used to shoot the teen. Investigators canvassed all the weapon stores in the city and found out that the man purchased a 32 caliber Ivor Johnson handgun less than a month before Mary was killed. A witness also spotted the gunman walking down the street near the crime scene. Ultimately, Eubanks, who was then 22 at the time, confessed to police that he had committed the crime. The following year, in 1966, he was convicted and given a death sentence. However, that was eventually commuted to life in prison in light of the 1972 abolishment of the death penalty in the state of Ohio. He was incarcerated at the Ohio State Penitentiary in Columbus. Behind bars, the convicted felon showed good and exemplary behavior, and because of this, he was granted privileges. The biggest perk he got was a Christmas shopping trip to a mall in Columbus, a decision that would forever haunt the prison system in Ohio. On December 7, 1973, Eubanks, along with other inmates, were granted a day pass to get out of jail and enjoy some time on the outside. The inmates were able to dress as civilians, and there were no guards there to accompany them. Simply, they were told to do their shopping and then report back to prison by around 2 p.m. Surprisingly, everyone returned, except for Eubanks. A large manhunt was conducted, but it was already too late, and the convict was long gone and nowhere to be found. Authorities believed he fled to Michigan after that day at the mall, but are still unsure. Eubanks is now 77 years old, and he could be assuming a different identity with an altered appearance. 
Since 2017, law enforcement announced having received substantial leads and tips on the whereabouts of the child killer, whose name is now on the FBI's most wanted fugitive list. The U.S. Marshal's Office, meanwhile, has since increased its reward from $25,000 to $50,000 for any information that could lead to the arrest of Lester Eubanks. Number 2. Texas Killing Fields The term killing field is usually attributed to a place where a heavy loss of life occurred due to a massacre or genocide committed during a time of war or civil unrest. However, a large swath of dark land situated between Galveston and League City in Texas is also called a killing field, but for a different, more horrifying reason. While it's difficult to pinpoint what started the public's interest in this cursed location, most say it all began with the disappearance and then later discovery of the body of Colette Wilson. Wilson was only 13 years old when she vanished from her home in Galveston in June of 1971. Not long after that, her body was discovered in a desolate section of desert nearby Interstate 45. Four months later, the remains of 19-year-old Gloria Gonzalez were discovered just a few yards away from where Wilson's body was recovered. Both of those cases remained unsolved for almost 50 years until a 70-year-old prison inmate named Edward Bell confessed to the crimes in 2011. But over the next several years after the discovery of Wilson and Gonzalez, that same stretch of barren earth yielded dozens of more dead bodies. In 1986, two boys came upon an area along Calder Road in League City when they were overwhelmed by a sickening smell. Their curiosity then led them to discover the decomposing bodies of two young women. One of them was identified as Laura Miller, a sophomore from Clear Creek High School. The other, unfortunately, still remains unidentified. A few years later, in 1989, a group of horseback riders came upon another corpse abandoned in the area. Over time, a total of more than 30 dead bodies were recovered from the Texas killing fields. Both local and federal investigators believe that these could be the works of multiple serial killers, although a few of these cases are most likely connected in some way. What's scary is that most of these murders still remain unsolved, but still a couple of them have been solved. In 2016, serial killer and currently incarcerated Roland Stallings admitted having murdered and dumped young women in that area. There's also Bobby Jack Fowler, a notorious rapist, serial killer, and Texas native, who was convicted through DNA evidence for a string of murders that took place along a similar killing field in Canada. Investigators believe Fowler, who died while incarcerated at the Oregon State Penitentiary, could also be responsible for some of the crimes committed in the Texas killing fields. The real question, though, is what exactly makes this area so special that several killers prefer to use this place among any other? There have been a lot of theories, but the most prevalent would be the distinct composition of the land. Historically, the site was once an oil field. Now entirely abandoned, 
What's left is a wasteland that has since become a perfect dumping site. Supposedly, it has something to do with the rich bacterial growth in the ground and the presence of scavenging animals, both of which help speed up the decomposition process. Making it even more suitable is the fact that the climate in southern Texas can also be very hot and humid, which makes for more rapid decomposition. Most of all, though, this strip of land is barren and devoid of any human habitation. If standing there, one could look all around and see nothing but patches of overgrown bushes, trees, and foliage. These and other factors make this zone apt for burying and hiding evidence. In recent years, law enforcement has been working on monitoring the activities along the Texas killing fields, and one can only hope that there are no more bodies to be found or victims to be dumped in this treacherous and dark place. So there were two of the most grisly and disturbing murder stories around. The world can be a crazy place, and Twisted News is sure to show you why. If you guys enjoyed watching this video, then please subscribe and hit the notification bell, because every week we have multiple videos coming out for you to check out. And if you're into podcasts, check out our new one called Every Town, because every town has a dark side. Thank you guys for watching, and I'll see you soon.